Welcome to Victory Christian Center. You're about to hear Pastor Vanessa Schlugel as she brings a message on Sunday service. Praise the Lord. And so, the Apostle Paul, let me just open with this. That the Apostle Paul talked about the glorious church that Jesus Christ was building. And so I opened up week one and I said that for nearly 2,000 years... Uh, Jesus Christ has been building his church. And he said that the governments of hell, listen, the governments of hell, I should be looking down, cannot prevail against the church. That's who we are. Praise the Lord. And it's interesting because the um, context was that that Jesus said upon this rock when Peter had a revelation that he was the Christ, he was the Savior, he was the Messiah. Who do men say that I am? And, um, and some say I'm Elijah, some say one of the prophets. And he says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus took that revelation that Paul had had and he said, upon this rock of revelation knowledge, I'm going to build my church and the governments of hell shall not prevail against it. And so for 2,000 years, Jesus has been building. Um, and, and, and we need to understand who he is, but not just who he is. He wants us to know who we are in him. And Romans 8, 19, in fact, 17 and, and 19, he tells us that we are heirs of God, heirs of God and joint heirs with God. Christ Jesus. Now, when I heard this when I was 21 and I didn't have any money and didn't have anything and didn't know where I was going and to find out that there was a creator and a God that had adopted me into his family and not just adopted me and kept me as a slave, but said, come on up, you're a son and I'm seating you right next to Jesus Christ so you can rule and reign in this life by one Christ Jesus. I am so proud to be a daughter of the living God and to be adopted into his family and to be an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And it's interesting how in that scripture in Romans 8, 17, when Paul says that you are joint heirs with Jesus Christ, he then goes on to say in, 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 in verse 19, he says, the whole of creation right now is travailing and, and, and it says the earnest expectation, I should say, the earnest expectation of the creation is travailing right now. What are they doing? They're waiting. They're eagerly waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. And so right now, the whole of creation is waiting for the ears of God and the joint ears of Jesus Christ to be manifested in the earth. That's you and I. That's you and I. And it says the manifestations of the sons of God. There's two words in the Greek uh, talking about sons. There's the weos sons, which are the ones that are still in nappies. And then there's the huios sons. And I've put the definition there in there for you because the huios sons are sons and it highlights the legal right to the father's inheritance. The legal right to the father's inheritance. And it says, as believers... As the believer lives in conformity with God's nature and purpose. So this is the sons that all of creation is waiting right now for us to be revealed. In the fullness of our authority as sons of God, 
with our legal rights being released into the earth. And so that's what we're going to be talking about for the next three weeks. And we're going to open this up and we're just going to begin this and unpack this and talk about language and talk about sonship and where God has placed us in the earth for such a time as this. And so we need to understand that Jesus loves his church and he has given himself for her that he might present to her a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. And so we don't want to put the church down because he loves her and he has actually given himself for her that he may at some point in time present to himself this glorious church, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, the church. He's the head and we are his body. And so we are in days of glory. We are in days of glory. And so he's going to present to us. He's the author and he's the finisher of our faith. Aren't you glad that he's begun a good work in us and he will complete it right up until the day of Jesus Christ coming back to get us? Isn't this amazing? This is revival. And so let's continue with this story. And so today, number four, week four, we're going to talk about authority to reign as joint heirs with Christ. There's scripture after scripture that says you're an heir of God, but then you're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I mean, think about that. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the silver and gold are mine. Everything belongs to him and we are heirs together with Jesus Christ. Absolutely amazing. And so Romans, where do I get that scripture from? God's called us to reign in life. When I came into Christianity, I was defeated. I loved God with all my heart, but I was absolutely defeated. And I knew there was victory and I'd get measures of victory and then bang, down we'd go again and up and down until I heard that I was called to reign in life by growing Christ Jesus. Let's have a look at it. Romans there's a lot of scripture here. This is the will and the New Testament of the church. We need to know what belongs to us. We need to know what God has paid for. And so Romans 5.17, by one man's offense, death reigned through the one. How much more those who have received abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one Christ Jesus will reign in life by one Christ. This is what we're called to do. We are called to be reigning in life. This is what belongs to me right now. And it says here, if you have received abundance of grace, well, have you received abundance of grace? Yes, you have if you're born again. And have you received the gift of righteousness? Yes, we have. I didn't commit righteousness. You didn't commit righteousness. You were made righteous. You were made righteous so you can stand before the heavenlies and declare that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And if I know that, if I've received that abundance of grace, if I've received the gift of righteousness, then I am poised and positioned to reign in life by Christ Jesus. You take that scripture. And so this is what I want to look at over this next three weeks. We're going to look at who we are in Christ Jesus, what he has accomplished through the cross, not only the cross, the death, but he didn't stay dead. He was resurrected, and now he's seated at the right hand of the Father with principalities and powers and mights and dominions and every name is under his feet. And he has given us, the church, his authority. And so, my goodness me, the devil's already under your feet. If Satan's under his feet, we're part of the body. The feet are on the body. He's under your feet. Sickness is under your feet. Cancer, whatever those names are. 
under your feet. Hallelujah. So we're going to have a look at that. And I want to know how much authority do I have then, Father God? How much do I have if you've given me it? What does that look like? Praise the Lord. And so how far does that authority extend? And we're going to have a look at it extends in three kingdoms, in heaven, earth, and under the earth. That name has been given to us. And so let's have a look. So we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ Jesus. He said that all authority now, and we're going to come and have a look at this, but I just want to introduce it just so that I can tell the end of the story. And anyway, and God, he tells you the end from the beginning. So I'll give you some of the end, and then we'll go through there, and we'll get to it at the end as well. So Jesus said all authority. When he was raised from the dead, he said all authority now belongs to me in heaven and on earth, and another scripture says, under the earth. All authority. All means all. And so those words in your Bible, you need to circle. We need to circle. That's what we did. We circled those. And so when we know that we are in Christ, nothing can stop us or stand in our way. Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? It's been swallowed up in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That's the authority that we can walk in as believers. Now, that's interesting on your outline I put here that God said that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. It says in some translations, it said, my people have gone into captivity for a lack of knowledge. Why? Because they have rejected knowledge. And like I said to you in the beginning of the series, that New Zealand rejected this message in 1980. The church world, not all, not, not all people, but the leaders in the church at that time, they thought this was cultish. They thought, how dare you say you're an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ Jesus. Well, I say, huh, can we open the book and have a look and see what it says we are in Jesus Christ. And so what's happened, like I, I shared, and I don't want to go back over that, but for the last 40 years, our nation has not been where it should be. Why? Because the church has not taken her place, because she has rejected knowledge. And that word knowledge is um, destroyed. It actually means, in fact, let's go there again. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. That word destroyed in the Hebrew, listen to it, it means to be cut down, brought to silence. Now, isn't that interesting that Satan has wanted to bring you to silence because out of your mouth is a two-edged sword. Out of your mouth is life and death. Out of your mouth, you execute on Satan the judgments that are written. And so he has come in as a serpent to try and destroy your mouth and not let you speak the word because God will confirm his word with signs following. You know, it's interesting that scripture that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. It doesn't say because we are destroyed because the devil's so strong. Isn't that interesting? It says because you don't have the right knowledge. That's what has caused you to be destroyed or go into captivity or to shut you down. And so when we gain knowledge of the new creation realities of who we are in Jesus Christ, nothing can stand in us all the days of our life as God was with Moses, with Noah, with Elijah, with Elisha, with all of the apostles, with Jesus Christ. So he is with us. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know, Jesus also said, and these are some of our favorite scriptures as word of faith, that you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. 
Now, oftentimes in the, in the body of Christ or in church, would you say, well, the truth shall make you free. The truth shall make you free. Well, no, it doesn't say that. If you read beforehand, Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. The truth can't make you free unless you know it. And so this is what this is all about. It's having a look at Scripture and having a look, ah, it's not just the truth that makes me, it's the truth that I know it's going to make me free. And so this, this word, as I said in the Bible here, this is the, the will and the New Testament. You know when somebody dies and they leave a will, you open it up and you find, oh my gosh, look what they've left me. <laughs> Now imagine that you've been left billion, a billion dollars and you don't take a hold of it and read the will and you can live like a pauper all your life and die as a pauper until you get this book open and you open it up and find out what God has given you. This New Testament is called the will and New Testament of Jesus Christ. And so what do we need to know? Well, Paul, he was the apostle to the Gentiles and he wrote the letters to the churches, the majority of them. And he said in, in, different, in different letters to the churches, particularly in the book of Ephesians and the book of Colossians, he said that I cease not to pray for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and a revelation, a revelation in what? And the knowledge of him, of what he's done. That the eyes of your understanding, the eyes of your spirit, the eyes of your soul will also be enlightened. Three things that you may know the hope of his calling. You are called, we are called to do something. We have a calling on us right now, the hope of his calling. Then he talks about the exceeding riches. He talks about the, the, the glorious inheritance. We have inherited. It's a glorious inheritance in the saints. That we may know, number three, the exceeding greatness of his power that is toward us who believe. This is towards the believers and it's according to, what is it according to? His mighty power that he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and he seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality, might, dominion, every name that is named. And he made him to be the head of the church, which is his body. And we are to be the fullness of him that fills all in all. That is our job description. That is what we need to know. We need to get this in our heart and we need to speak it out. And so what God have you called me to? I've called you to rule and reign in Christ, in life, in this life by one Christ Jesus. So what is that power? What is that power? Let's have a look at this because this is just amazing. It's according to his mighty power. Do you know if Satan had any power that he would have tried to stop Jesus Christ from being raised from the dead, but he couldn't. He couldn't. You know, the Bible talks about with the fingers of God, God created the universe. But he says with his right hand, he raised Jesus from the dead. The arm of the Lord raised his son out of the pit of hell. He went there for you and I, that we might be set free from that place. Let's have a look and just see. Jesus Christ, he came. He came and we've packed that out in the last three sessions. Let's have a look at who this amazing being is, who is God. It says that Jesus Christ came. It says here, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifest. 
Now, he was called the Son of God there because he was already resurrected. This is the New Testament. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested or was revealed. Why was he revealed in the earth? That he might destroy, he might undo and dissolve the works of the devil. That was why he came. He came to be an offering. He came to be the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. You see, Jesus Christ was the Word made flesh. He is the tr- part of the Trinity. His name before Jesus Christ was the, was the Word of God. He was the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And it's interesting, I'll spend a couple of minutes just giving some backdrop to this. At the age of 30, Jesus Christ was baptized by John the Baptist. And it's interesting in the Old Testament that you could go to war at 20, but at 30, you could enter into the priesthood. And so at 30 years, he is is a priest, he's a high priest. And he's right now at the right hand of the Father. He ever lives to make intercession for us. So he moved and he went into his priestly role at the age of 30. And he was baptized by John. Then he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days and for 40 nights. Now, why did God, the Holy Spirit, lead him in there? Because he was going to be the sacrifice. He was going to be the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. And God says, you take a lamb in the Old Testament and you spend seven days examining him to make sure that he's absolutely perfect. And then you will offer him up to me on the altar of sacrifice. And so Jesus Christ was tested in all points, yet without sin. And so right then, and the Bible says that after he had been tested by Satan, Satan left him for a season and Jesus returned there and the power of the Spirit, it was done. He'd been tested by the king of the earth at that time, Satan, who was the God of this world. And the Bible said that he went into the, into the temple on the Sabbath, which was his custom, and there was given to him the, the scrolls, and he opened it up into Isaiah, and he opened it up, and he then said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, the Spirit of God. I'm not here as God, I'm here as the Son of Man, and the Spirit of God has anointed me. Jesus did no miracles until, G- until the Holy Spirit came upon him and anointed him for ministry. Even though he was God, he'd left his Godship and he said, the Spirit of the Lord is now upon me. He has anointed me to preach this good news. It's good news to the earth right now. Why? He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives. The whole earth was captive. Recovery of sight to the blind. We'd been blinded by Satan, the God of this world that's blinded the minds of the people, lest they believe the gospel and be saved. So he said, I'm going to open your eyes. And he said, I am going to preach and set at liberty those that are oppressed. And look at this. And I will proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He closed the book and he said, this day, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. This day. What was that? I've come to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That is the year of Jubilee, where everything is going to go back into the hands of its rightful owners. I'm here, and Jesus said, it's fulfilled in your ears today. Wow. There is a change of government 
about to take place. A change of government from the kingdoms of darkness to the kingdom of light. This day, it is fulfilled in your hearing. And so what did Jesus Christ come to do? Jesus Christ came to strip the powers and authorities over us. That's what he came to do. He's our champion. Look at, have a look at this. There's so many different translations in this one that one of them says, having stripped the principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in the cross. He stripped them. All of the heavens and all of the angels, the thousands upon thousands of angels and all the demon spirits that are in hell and in the heavenlies. And when Jesus Christ died, he just didn't stay dead there and left on earth. He went into the deepest parts of the earth and he led captivity captive and gave gifts of men. What did he do? Well, because there was two portions in Hades at the time and you need to do Bible college for that. There was a place called paradise and it couldn't go to heaven yet because the heavens were dirty and Jesus hadn't offered his blood yet. And until he says, Mary, don't touch me. He says, because I have not ascended to my father and your father. And he needed to present his blood on the sacrifice up in the heavenlies and the heavens would be washed. And then he was able to get into hell and all of those that were captive, he led them cap captivity, all of those that were captive, and he took them back to heaven with him when he rose. That's why you see in the book of Acts, they saw some of the saints of old walking the streets. Read your Bible. Amazing. Supernatural encounters. Look at this. It says here, he disarmed those principalities that were arrayed against us. He didn't do this for himself. He did this for us. He wasn't lost. We were. God became a man to be able to win us back, to, to win us back into sonship. That was arrayed against us, and he made a bold display and a public example of them triumphing over them in the cross. What a love story. This is amazing. A public display. Look at this, and this is just proof for you again as a reference, because, oh, Vanessa's saying you're going to hell. Jesus went to hell. If he didn't go to hell, we would have to. He was our total substitute. He died physically. He also died spiritually. God died on our behalf. This is why he said in the garden, Father, if there's any other way. He was a man under authority. He didn't want to do this, but he brought himself under and said, God, if there's any other way that we can save the, 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 the earth. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And then he went to the cross. And then God had to lift himself. And the Bible says God turned away while his, his son died. And then when he went down into hell to take the punishment for us, and then now he is the firstborn, the firstborn from the dead. And now there's many sons in glory. Now look at it, it says here, Colossians 2, 3, 2, 13. Before it was talked about him stripping, you know, we stripped the principalities and powers. Before that it says here, God forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken away, nailing it to his cross. That's what he had to do. Not only that, in fact, there's another scripture. I have to read it. Um, I'll find it. In fact, I thought I had it there, but anyway. Not only that, but Jesus has destroyed him who had the power of death. Now listen to this. Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? 
You see, when a Christian dies, we pass from death to life. We just transition. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Bang! Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? It's been swallowed up. We don't die. This physical body packs up. And, we, and, and Paul says you just fold it up like a garment. And then you leave. Isn't that amazing? Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? And so this is what he did. It says Jesus Christ destroyed him who had the power of death. That is the devil. Look at it, Hebrews chapter 2. It says, As the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared the same flesh and blood. Why? That through death he might destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. And then what did he do? He released those who through fear of death were all their lives in bondage. So we're not in bondage anymore, church. We're free. The Son has set us free, and we are free indeed. We are in total, we are totally in charge of our lives under Jesus Christ, under this word. You see, through death, Jesus destroyed him who had the power of death. And at the same time, he's released us. Isn't that amazing? I mean, this is all just thing. Wow, I no longer have to be afraid of dying as a little girl. I mean, again, this is just about me. But as a little girl, I was so afraid of darkness and dying. So afraid, I realized. I mean, I'd gone to church and realized there was a hell. And I was so afraid. And I was looking for God all my life. If you hear my testimony. Because I knew there was such a place as death and I didn't want to be there. And I knew God had the answers, but I didn't know how to ask or how to get born again until I was 19. And so I had an incredible fear of death on my life. And so, wow, we are no longer in bondage to death. You need to say praise the Lord or to the devil. He has freed us from that. And then, as we said, Jesus led captivity captive and he gave gifts of men. And this is the scripture here. Look, see, it says Ephesians. I'm doing a little bit of teaching today rather than preaching. I feel like I want to preach, but I just want to read these scriptures so you can see so see them. Ephesians 4.8. When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts of men. It goes on to say, Paul says, now this he ascended. What is it? What does it mean but that he also first descended? into the lowest parts of the earth, into hell. Now, some Christians don't believe he went to hell, but that was the punishment. The wages of sin is death, not just physical death, but spiritual death. And a place that is held, spirits that are not born again, is a place called Hades or hell. And they're held in there till the final judgment. It's a real place. And so Jesus had to go down there. He, the Bible says God made him to be sin for us. And when he was made sin, he was crucified, and then he went and entered into hell. But because he had not sinned in himself, he was there three days and three nights. And the Bible says the same spirit, the Holy Spirit, that raised Jesus Christ from the dead now dwells inside us. And so the Holy Spirit went into hell, into the depths of hell, and raised him back up and made him alive. And now he's the firstborn from, of many brethren. And so let's have a look at that. Jesus Christ is the firstborn from the dead. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning. He is the firstborn from the dead. 
He was the firstborn in his spirit first, and then his physical body. Firstborn from the dead. And so what does that mean to you and I as creation? It means that we are now new creations in Christ Jesus. Corinthians says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. New, oh, I love it. The old things of our life have passed away. Behold and look at all the things that God has made new for you. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. What is that ministry that God was in Christ reconciling the world back to himself, not counting their sins against them? This is the most amazing story. So what does that mean? This was really powerful. And our, in, in our, one of our, our, our theme scriptures for many, many years as young believers, 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if you are in Christ, you're brand new. Well, I'm not new. Look at me. I'm still physically the same. No, you're brand new in your spirit. Remember, we've said you are a spirit. You have a mind, will, and emotions, and you live in a body. And so... Adam, in the beginning, he was the first person to get born again. He went from life into death and became a spirit of death. And that's why Jesus said to the Pharisees, he said, you are of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. Why was he insulted them? No, he was telling them the truth that they were born of Satan, that every seed after Adam, our father was Satan. Wow. We had the nature the sin nature, God couldn't make, he couldn't fix up the old spirit. It was the spirit of death inside us. And so we were born again of life, created brand new. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation, not patched up. He is new. It's not new in his mind. He's not new in his body. He is new in his spirit. We have the nature of God in us. The love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit can live inside us. We are now His temple. God couldn't live inside us before because the temple was filthy. That's why in the Old Testament, God had the outer court, the inner court, the holy of holies. God couldn't come near His to people because He's holy and nothing unholy can stand in His presence. And so there was a veil there. And only one man could enter once a year. And they used to tie a rope on him because if he had any sin in him, he would die. Did God kill him? No, God, God is so holy that no sin can stand in his presence. So you imagine this God who is a father who loves people and wants to be with them. And he had to shroud himself and cover himself. Because if he came near them, he would destroy them. And so the Bible says when Jesus rose from the dead, God tore the tent from the top to the bottom and said, I can come out now. And I can fellowship with people because they are now my children. They're now perfect inside their spirit. And that's why we now have to renew our mind. Do not be conformed any longer to this world, but be transformed. Metamorpho is that word, transformed. By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable and perfect will of God for your life. You see, you can be born again in your spirit, but if your mind is unrenewed, then you'll still live like a, sin, a sinner, saved by grace, sick, defeated, and under the circumstances. But you take this word and you feed your spirit on the word. Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. My words are spirit and they are life. And your spirit feeds on spiritual food, which is the word of God. And when you're alive in your spirit and your mind is renewed, you'll walk as a huios son of God. Glorious, 
magnificent. We are new creations. Just before that, Paul said, you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. No longer are we to look at. He says, behold, look at all the things that are new. So you need to look at all the things that are new. Don't look at if you. Paul just said that previously said, look, he said, even though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet know we him no more after the flesh. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. So that's the verse before that. Why? We are not to look at each other after the flesh. Why? Because the flesh is imperfect. Your personality is imperfect. That's why we need to come into the word and allow God to shape it and sharpen it and, 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 and create us a brand new so that that which is on the inside is overriding everything that was happening to us in our soul, our mind, our emotions. That's why from your spirit, you're ruling your emotions. You don't let your emotions and your mind rule you. You're not your mind. You're a spirit being made in the image and the likeness of God. And so you start to speak to yourself. I don't feel great. Lift up the hands that hang down. Strengthen your feet. I don't know. Our body and our mind can be like a disobedient, moaning, groaning child. And you don't listen to it or give it the time of day. You actually take charge. Praise the Lord. This is what he has done. As many as have received him, as you have received him, he has given you the authority and power to become sons of God. If you've received him, this is what God has done for us. It's the most amazing thing. We are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, Satan will come to you and say, Vanessa, you don't look righteous. And I'll just say, I'm not standing in my own righteousness. I'm standing in his. I'm standing in his righteousness. I've been made righteous. I've been made righteous by Jesus Christ. And then Paul goes on to say to qualified, he says, now listen, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That which was on the inside of you now, the born again spirit, the character of God. Now you work out that salvation. So people should be able to see it. That's why Paul says, let him that steals, steal no more. Let him that doesn't work, get a job. You know, all of the character things that Paul talks to the church about. Listen, this is who you are now. Act like it. Praise the Lord. And so look at this. Another scripture, for we are God's workmanship, we are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he has ordained that we should walk in. So God, you are his masterpiece. Remember we said in Psalm 8, what is this man that your mind is filled with him? God looking and he said, this is my masterpiece. I've created you in Christ Jesus to do good works in the earth. Absolutely amazing. What else does it say here? It says, when we've looked at that, that as children, we are then heirs of God. He's my dad, and I don't want to be disrespectful. But sometimes I say, Daddy, what are we doing? Because he says, we can call him Abba Father. We can call him Daddy God. That's the relationship he wants with you. And so he's he's our father. It's really, it's just so amazing. And it goes on to say here, Not only that, but he has blessed you, Ephesians 1, 
verse 3, he has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. He has blessed you with all. Remember that, Stefan? Oh my goodness me, when we arrived in, in Wellington, we had a car and everything that we owned was in the back of the boot. <laughs> As a 20, 21-year-old kids. And, uh, and, and to hear that, my goodness me, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And starting to speak that and to agree with God. God says, how can we walk together? Unless we're agreed. God is not going to agree with your sickness, with sickness. He's not going to agree with defeat, with poverty, with lack, with oppression. He wants us to come up here. My ways are not your ways. As the heavens are high above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God says, transform yourself by thinking like I think. And so God has raised us up together with Jesus Christ. When God... When the Holy Spirit went into, he- went into hell and he raised up Jesus Christ, there's so much in this. And there's layers of it in different, in, in, in different um, books in the, in the letters to the churches. But it says here that God raised up Jesus Christ from the dead. And it says here, it says he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now when God, in the mind of God, When God raised Jesus from the dead, all humanity was raised with him. The price has been paid already. The sins of the earth have been forgiven. They were laid on Jesus. The people out there, they just need to hear. The Son has set you free, you're free indeed. They're going to go to hell when the price was already paid. Unless somebody tells them this amazing truth. And so when God raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his own right hand, he raised us at the same time in the mind of God. Before the foundations of the world, Christ died for us. And so this is all in the plan of God. And so he raised us up. We're seated in the heavenly places. Why are we there? To rule and reign in this life by one Christ Jesus. And so the next few weeks, we're going to talk about how we do that. But we're here to rule and reign in this life, not in heaven. Yes, that's another time, another dispensation. But in this life, God qualifies it. In this life. Let's have a look here in Ephesians 1.20. It expounds it a bit more to open up when God raised him from the dead. What did that look like? Well, look at here. It says here in verse 20, it said, God raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above. Everyone say far above. All principality, all power, all might, all dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but in that which is to come. And he made him to be the head of the church, which is his body. All, above all, far above, not just above, but God says far above. And so when God raised Jesus far above, you are far above. We are far above all principality, all power, all might, all dominion. What are they doing? Ruling in the earth then. If we have that authority over them. Far above all principalities and powers. In the mind of God, that's where we are positioned. All things are under our feet. Is there something that's trying to trample you down? 
Have a look and have a look at your situation and your circumstances and just say, Am I ruling? Because God says everything is under his feet, and you are the body of Christ. So that means it's under you even right now. The youngest member of the body of Christ has the victory in Christ Jesus. Somebody that just gets born again today, they have more authority, more power than all the powers of darkness combined. Not because of them, not because of, the Bible says, not of works lest any man should boast. We're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. It's not of us, it's him. It's giving glory to what he has done. Now it's interesting here that, you know, Ephesians, in fact, let me have a look and just, I don't know whether I've got time for that. Well, let's, let's see. Praise the Lord. He has delivered us. Let's have a look. Well, look at this. This is one of my favorite scriptures. I was being harassed by demon spirits as a young believer and uh, to the point where I wasn't sleeping at night and I was staying up during the day and it happened for quite a, quite a period of time. And uh, I was commanding demon spirits to go and they would leave at the time when I would say in the name of Jesus, but then they would come back. And I couldn't figure out why we were having this back and forward, back and forward, when I knew that Jesus Christ had given me power and authority. And it was only until we went into a church that was teaching this truth. I was trying to get free. I was praying. I was filled with the Spirit, praying in tongues. And I spent hours praying in tongues. And I had done fasting. I'd done a 10-day fast, 18-day fast, 20-day um, fast, just to be able to get the authority I needed to get rid of these things. And then I walked into this church. And the man was preaching with such authority. And he says, you have been delivered from the powers of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. He said, Vanessa, you have already been delivered. Stop trying to be free. You're free already. Just like that, the revelation came. I thought, I've been trying to get free when I'm already free. He has delivered you from the powers of darkness and translated you into the kingdom of God's dear son. You are free. The son has now set you free. You're not trying to get free. You're not trying to get healed. You're not trying to get the, excuse me, the victory. You have the victory in Christ Jesus right now. God causes you to triumph in Christ Jesus. You are now more than a conqueror through him who loves you. This is the language of sonship. This is the language of victory. This is the language of heaven that we speak over ourselves. Every believer has already been delivered from the powers of darkness. Now, they may not know it, but the truth is that you have been set free from every demon spirit. And so God has given him a name, and we're going to be having a look at this in the, in the, in the, in the times to come. But God has given him a name that's above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that he is Lord. He has given us power of eternity to, to be able to operate with this name. Jesus said, what did he say in Mark 16? He said, in my name, he said, the first thing you're going to do is cast out devils. The first thing he gave us, you're going to heal the sick, cleanse the disease, raise the dead, freely be your seed, freely you give. The first thing he said, cast the devil out. Get him out of your life. Get him away from your property. Get him away from everything that pertains to you. Because we have authority to do that. 
Whatever you ask, Jesus said, in my name, I will do it. And so you have people asking, but that word in the, in the Greek is the word demand. Whatever you demand in my name, I will do it. Why? Because God confirms this word with signed following. And so we have a right to demand the blessings of God on our lives. We have a right to demand healing. In fact, our language changed. If we're, if we're ever standing against sickness, I would never, never say that I'm sick. To me, that's absolutely the worst thing I could possibly say. I say I'm standing against sickness. I'm not receiving it. I'm standing against it. It's coming on my body or trying to, but I am standing against it and having done all to stand, stand there for. And I'm not going to. We also say this. We don't say, oh, I've got a cold. I'm standing against symptoms, symptoms of a cold. I will not own that. I will not own a cold, a sickness, a disease or anything. It's not mine. I'm not going to take it on board because the moment I speak and I say, I am, stand, there we are, you've given Satan permission to come and to place that on you. With your mouth you will be justified, with your mouth you will be condemned. And so Jesus has said to us that he has given us power and authority over all the powers of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt us. It's interesting, I give you power or I give you authority over all the powers of the enemy, that you shall trample on snakes and scorpions over all the powers of the enemy, they cannot touch you. That word authority is the word exousia and it's a governmental authority. And he said, I'm giving you a governmental authority, a ruling authority over all of the power of the enemy, which is the word dunamis, which is like we get the word dynamite from. And so demon spirits have got supernatural, supernatural power. They've been stripped of the exousia. They've been stripped of their authority, but they still operate in the earth as evil spirits until somebody arrests them and stops them. They can still be in this atmosphere right now until somebody rises up and takes authority over them. It's a little bit like the police force right now. You know, if, if you have a look at the police and if the, if the lights go down, and I'll just finish in, the, in a couple of minutes, but if the lights go down in the street and they need to bring the police in there to be, start directing traffic, you get a Big Mac truck, a, a Big Mac, a Big Mac truck that comes here, and the policeman just lifts up his hand, and that truck stops. Does that policeman have the physical ability to stop that Big Mac truck? No. But when he puts up his hand, he's putting up his hand and the whole of the government of New Zealand is standing behind that. He's standing in the authority of the laws of our land and that truck has to stop. When we put up our hand and we use the name of Jesus Christ, we don't have the physical strength against these demon spirits. They are supernatural beings. But when we lift up this word, when we lift up the name, when we lift up our covenant, all of heaven is backing us and those things have to stop. They have to stop in the name of Jesus Christ. And so praise the Lord. Let me just um, close with this. I actually wanted to look up a scripture. I thought that I'd put it in here. And it's interesting in the book of Galatians. It's, Paul says that um, even though you are sons, a son differs nothing. Let me have a look. Even though we can be sons of God and heirs of God. Where is it? It says here, now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, 
though he is the master and heir of all things. Now, let me read that again. Oh, sorry, Galatians uh, chapter 4, verse 1. This is powerful. And he's talking to the Galatian church, and he says, I say this to you, that the heir, as long as he is a child, a weos child in nappies, as long as he is a child, he differs nothing from a slave, though he is master and heir of all things. And so even though we are heirs of God, if we are still childlike, and we don't know our authority, we don't know our inheritance, we differ nothing from a slave, it says here. We're no different than a slave, even though we're the heir of all things. Isn't that incredible? And so my challenge would go out to us, and can I have the worship team up up now? Is that, hey, we are sons of God. We are the huios sons of God. Not the huios, the huios sons of God. Not the huios sons. We are here, we have an inheritance that God is looking to us as the body of Christ, that we have nations, we have our homes to bring back into line with the word. We have our communities. We have governments that we need to turn and change around. The New Testament church, they got a hold of this. And in a short space of time, in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 17, if you read it, when the, the Christians started to come in here and they'd come into the city and they said, goodness me, These ones that have gone into all of the cities throughout the Roman Empire, they have turned the world upside down. This was a demonized government, the Roman Empire. Why? Because they knew the name. Peter, who was frightened before the Holy Spirit came upon him, he opened the first sermon in the the church, and he says, Let it be known to you that this name, through faith in his name, has made this man whole, whom you see before you. Thanks for watching Victory Christian Center. For more content, please subscribe to our YouTube channel or you can subscribe to our podcasts on Spotify, iTunes or Google Podcasts. Check out our website at victory.net.nz. We'll see you again soon.